Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark on a big day for the Vancouver Canucks, a big hire, uh, a great hire, I think, is sort of our initial thoughts, and we'll go into that uh, a little bit more as we get into the show. As always, joined by my co-host here, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I'm great, Parker. Good news for the organization. Uh, we found someone who might be smarter than the two of us combined, but we'll see. We'll talk about that, and I, I hope you are well as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So plan for tonight, we'll do our recaps have been getting a little long. I think we're going to these last three games, only three games. We're going to keep it pretty tight, concise, um, because the big things from today, of course, the assistant general manager hiring from today and the games this week are big for the Canucks, right? We're Massive. talking three teams. The Canucks are competing for a playoff spot with, and then Monday they play a team that they better be able to beat. So uh, in theory, this is if there's a week that the Vancouver Canucks are going to go on a run, you hope it's this one. Yes, good point. So we like talking about uh, what happened, but I think we should focus more on the present and indeed the future. So uh, I like that theory, Parker. Let's do it. All right. And let's let's just start with the big news of the day. I think we'll do the previews after because this is the topical topic. And that is Emily Castongay was named the Vancouver Canucks assistant general manager uh, at 1030 this morning. Uh, some fun news sort of propping up in the middle of the day. Um, we've heard a bunch of, you know, names swirling around for this assistant general manager role. Uh, one of the main ones being Jennifer Botterill, who we sort of heard uh, last week maybe declined this role, uh, which was oh. pretty interesting. Um, but they go out and they uh, they bring in uh, Emily. There's so many layers to the story, Parker, and, and um, I don't know about you. I'm going to admit I did not know a lot about her before same. they hired. Yeah, and then we see we you know we read the same press uh, the press release. We listened to her interview, and there there's so many things to unpack. But I, I think the one cool well number one, she's very bright. She's very articulate, and I'm going to dare say that I think French is her first language right, growing up in, in in Quebec. So her English is very good, and not mm-hmm. only. The way she speaks it, but what she's saying more importantly, I, I think she hit it out of the park today. I don't know if you'd agree with me. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much in the same boat. She's clearly intelligent. Uh, and look, I don't want to throw any stray bullets out there, but we've been used to some pretty poor communicators, <laughs> I think is fair. You don't and, say. And, and people who don't seem to have had a very uh, straightforward and clear vision. Uh, is I think the nicest way I can put that um, in the previous regime. And it seems that what Jim Rutherford is doing, uh, which is kind of interesting, he's not bringing in a general manager to to hire all of these people, uh, you know, like, like Rachel last week as an analyst, uh, Emily this week as an assistant general manager, typically the new GM would bring those people in. Um, but I wonder, you know, I, I saw people saying, well, the thought is maybe you don't want any of those yes men. You know, you don't, you want to have more voices in the room, bring in the supporting cast and the GM all on their own, mm-hmm. and then have just a bunch of different opinions in the room. Uh, and when you have a bunch of smart opinions in the room, which seems to be the direction they're going, Jim Rutherford is a pretty intelligent person. Yeah. Um, Emily uh, Caston Gay here uh, she seems very, very smart. Um, Rachel uh, Dory from, from last week seems very, mm-hmm. very smart. Um, and I, I just really like the direction that they're taking here. Yeah. Jim Rutherford, his first day, Parker, he said he wants to build his front office team. That's diverse. And it didn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean men or women. It didn't mean people of all ethnic backgrounds. It just meant different, as you said, different viewpoints, different experiences, different insights. Cause yeah, you don't want what maybe we had for the past seven or eight years is someone in betting who might be, have been Aquilini's yes man or, or, you know, the kind of thoughts that way. Two things about Emily, and I would love your thoughts on this, that were kind of almost uh, uh, you away from the strategy side and in her, in her intelligence, but more of just kind of a feel-good story. The fact that 10 years ago before, who was it that passed away? And that it was her sister. Said, her sister basically said to her, uh, you know, I vision that you're going to be in Vancouver one day, right? Yeah. As the and manager then, of Vancouver. Yeah, uh, as, and, not only yeah. in Vancouver. Yes, the manager of the franchise. So to have that special moment 10 years ago, and then the fact that Emily herself talked about this whole 
personal vision board she had and that she put on there many years ago. One day I'm going to be in Vancouver some way or somehow. And by this age, and she said today that she's going to turn this age in a month and a half. So those yeah. two stories together, it, it gives you goosebumps. And, but when she tells it, she tells a lot better than I just did. It it's very heartwarming and very touching. Mm -hmm. And it, it just feels right, man. It just feels right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not even to mention the, the resume that she has, right? I mean, we're talking yeah. about someone who, I think she has two degrees, one in finance, one in law. Uh, good start. Um, <laughs> uh, she's, you know, she was in, uh, an intern slash was mentored by, uh, the Habs GM about eight years ago. I don't remember yeah. who that was. Um, <laughs> uh, she was a, she was the first, uh, woman to be an NHL PA certified player agent. Uh, she negotiated Antoine Roussel's $12 million contract. That's enough in my books to tell that's you all, that that's she's all you need to know. good at negotiation. <laughs> Uh, cause boy, that contract wasn't great for the team. Um, and yeah, you know, she's played hockey, uh, you know, she, she's the agent for, um, Reef who is one of the most clutch goal scorers of all time. Uh, Alex Lafreniere, um, Alexi Lafreniere in, uh, in New York, maybe a bit of a connection. We talked about this last week. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> probably not, but you know, it, it's, uh, just all around it. Uh, it just seems like a, a very good decision. Yes, I agree with everything you said, Parker. And the, the other cool thing, I, I love your insight on this too, is obviously with the hiring of Rachel Dory last week, now uh, Emily Castongay today, that's obviously two smart women in high-profile positions. You know, today a bit more high-profile than, than Rachel's. But it, what I found interesting in her, in her press conference was, or her media availability, on one hand, she, would, she made a point of saying that growing up, she never looked at it. Uh, she looked at it as non-binary. Like it wasn't guys or girls. It was just who can do the best job. She played hockey with guys. She went to school with guys and, and she worked her way up. And she, it, it was never a thing about breaking down the, you know, the barrier and being a, a woman in this industry. So she would make a point of saying that many times. But then on the flip side, she also did say, and I, I think you can have both, that she's hoping that this will break down some, some barriers mm -hmm. and inspire other women to get similar jobs. So I... I I guess it makes sense. It speaks to how intelligent she was. She never did this intentionally, but that's going to be a byproduct of her hire, I think. Yeah, and it's it's just about representation uh, at yeah. at some point, right? And, and sure, the hire wasn't you know she wasn't hired because they wanted a woman in the role, right? It wasn't like oh yes. we're only going to look at women. It was hey we think that there's a bit of an untapped market here, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it. If you want to go out and, and hire the best possible person to be an assistant general manager. Well, let's say you take the men on one side and the women on the other side and all of the, in theory, 32 best men have already been hired and none of the women have. So in theory, and I, I saw this on Twitter, someone posted, I don't remember who it was, but it's like a market inefficiency. Like they're so underrepresented in NHL front offices that you get your pick, right? You can pick the best and the brightest of this entire market. Uh, that has been untapped here and it does so many good things in one you get very intelligent people as we as we see from this that um, are very well spoken and then you also get the the good bright uh, the good byproduct of all the young women who are growing up and seeing you know they might look at you know may, they might have dreams of you know being in hockey management one day or some sort of sports management role uh, but you look up and you see that it doesn't exist right there aren't mm -hmm. any one there isn't anyone that looks like you uh that is in those roles and it can make it so you think okay well that's just not something i can do then but as you get people in these roles and you know we see it in the nhl with race and we see it uh, in this situation with uh with emily that having people that can be represented and i saw lots of people on twitter saying hey my niece saw this and she's she wants to be in hockey management one day and like it can just inspire people and it does so much more than just you know picking up a good brain for the franchise and it's a great byproduct sort of of that oh that's pretty cool that to hear those stories about a, a niece or a daughter or whatever it may be seeing this and being inspired that's good that's how anything grows right that's um you think of the women's soccer in in the country or tennis mm -hmm. players at any time that there's kind of a boon or yeah basketball a few years ago of canadians or just people that you can uh, kind of look up to and then, then that kind of grows at the grassroots level and and so on and so forth and we can see that maybe with more qualified and, and smart women getting involved in in management and speaking of smart uh, again going back to emily the other thing that i love that she said parker is 
that this she's willing to she's in it for the long haul she really wants to help build a winner here a team mm -hmm. that contends every single year and i i love the way she spoke maybe it's that kind of vision articulation that you you spoke about a few minutes ago but when she speaks i believe her and i don't even know her and it might uh, yeah i'm being mean but it might have something to do with what we were used to before right <laughs> Like you're not, I, being I hate, mean. you're not being mean. You're being I'm honest. Being, I'm being honest because yeah. I mean we got so used to you know um, whenever uh, the the previous general manager of this uh, of this hockey team would come and speak, there was always something that was a little off, right? Something was something weird was said or something yeah. was was off putting, and uh, it just it wasn't very confidence inspiring. Um, yeah. These last few press conferences we've had uh, have seemed very confidence inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, where it's people that I would be like, oh yeah, I would trust that person to, you know, work it, it, on something that I care about. Right. Yes. Uh, when I go back to someone like Jim Benning and, and John Weisbrod, who had this role before, who still, we don't know what he did. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have trusted them with some of the things that I was working on. Right. Like in my job, like it's, it's a weird and it's like, Hey, well, they're in charge of a billion dollar company at this point. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now we get these people who are, you know, so well-spoken and, and have a clear vision and, and clearly want to build a contending team, which is what we all want. Um, and look, we could, we could be three years from now and the team could be at the bottom of the standings. We could be completely wrong here. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But with what the information we have right now, uh, it's, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about the current state of things. Yes, I agree. And I have a different take, but I get to the same ending. Jim Benning, to me, the type of guy who you could sit around at a family dinner and listen to him tell stories. Sure. And and you like him. He's a likable guy. Yeah. But how confidence uh, you know, instilling is that? Whereas Emily, I think if she was at my dinner table, I'd be I'd kind of not uh, on edge, but more really attentive and just making sure that I was really sharp, right? And, and yeah. listening to everything she said. And I, I think that kind of speaks to the the difference in disposition that you kind of hinted at as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> Me too. Um, just, uh, generally seems, seems great. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's any, I just wanted to sort of peruse the comments as we go here. Sure. Uh, uh, I think Jaskran was asking if she could still be the, an agent of players. Definitely not conflict of yeah. interest. Um, and well, by I the think, way, Parker, you know, she, what's really interesting about that? She obviously had to tell all of her players, her clients, no matter what level, what league, yeah. about this news first so i guess she basically said to them don't don't spill the beans right because i'm i'm surprised that it didn't kind of get out there i don't know maybe maybe yeah i um, wonder i mean and i think i heard that she was emotional about it like she had mm -hmm. she had like talked to people like alexi lafreniere right because that yeah. was a big client right that was sort of a breakthrough thing it was like oh the first overall pick this year is represented by a woman and emily uh yeah. here uh, and that was big news a couple of years ago um, so yeah, I'm sure they had a great relationship and, you know, it must, you know, probably sucks to sever those ties, but, um, <laughs> you know, clearly this is what she wanted. Uh, and yes. she said Vancouver was, was sort of her place that she wanted to be. And, and Rachel Dory said a very similar thing a week ago. And mm. it seems that they're really focused on getting in bright, intelligent people who want to be a part of this organization. And it's weird because again, two months ago, we didn't feel like anyone wanted to come here, right? It's like, oh, well, we got to overpay for free agents because no one wants to come to Vancouver because the team's not great and all this stuff. And yeah. now it's like, oh, well, all of these really bright minds want to come to Vancouver and try to build a winning team here. And uh, it looks like things might start to come together, hopefully. What a difference. And I'm not trying to age you uh, or date you, Parker, but I want to make sure. Have you seen the movie Jerry Maguire? I have. Okay, so to me, it's what you know what I thought of when you were talking about uh, Emily Castonguay and uh, Alexi Lafreniere. Basically, Lafreniere was um, Emily's Cuba Gooding Jr., right? To Jerry Maguire, he was the number one pick, the prize right. possession, the one that was gonna, you know, take her to the top. Although she was doing very well already, so uh, that's just kind of the image I had in my head for some strange reason. It's a great movie. <laughs> I think I only watched it like a month ago. So, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I think all around. Anything else you want to add to this? No, I, I love what you said. And I think um, what you said was perfect. Who would have thought that two months ago in November, right when we're sliding right through that brutal trip in Vegas and Colorado, who would have thought that, yeah, maybe you thought there'd be changes, but I don't think anyone had in the mind Rutherford, Dory, Clancy, Smeal promotion. Now Castongay, these are names that I didn't know of, but I'm very happy to learn about them for sure. 
Yeah, it uh, it really seems like an entire overhaul. And I mean, we were worried. Remember, we were like, oh, well, they're just going to get rid of betting. They're going to bring in Mark Bergevin. And here we go again. <laughs> right. Um, and it seems like they're they're just looking for progressive, smart people. And uh, yes. there's nothing I can complain about there. Good. I like it. I like it. All right. Let's uh, let's do a quick recap of the week sure. uh, and a quick recap because it was kind of disappointing. Um, I don't remember what our projections were for the week. Um, but I don't think either of us had uh, losing the entire team to COVID on those projections. No. I think one of us went one, one, and one, and one of us went probably two uh, and one or two yeah. and one or something. Yeah. Um, so the week started okay uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Canucks go into Nashville to finish off their five game road game road trip, and they basically salvaged the trip. Right? Uh, they were they were zero and three to start, uh, and then they win the last two games on the road trip. Going to Nashville. Uh, pretty good performance, uh, and I think you know they were the better team in probably three and a half to four of those games on that road trip, yeah. uh, even though they only got two wins and four points. But this was big because it, it really saved that trip. You, can you imagine if they had lost this game and then the last two, and then things are looking even more bleak? Um, but a a good win um, in Nashville. Yes, and I, I we were joking around before we press play that we barely remember this game. It seems so long ago, but I do remember that Pedersen, Parkles, and Huglander had a really good game. They dominated, mm-hmm. and I think was this also the game that uh, Lamico, Mott, and Highmore played very well. I know Lamico got another goal, so maybe both those lines were good. Uh, I think they were. No, that was the game that they played bad. Oh, I they got caved. They I got caved. I have Lamico in my notes. Lamico line got worked. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, this is the game where uh, that that Patterson line was dominant. Uh, there was the the play where um, uh, Hoaglander sent Pod Coles on a breakaway, uh, mm-hmm. then Patterson scored on the rebound there, um, which was which was a good start to the game. Uh, we had the Brock Besser goal off of sort of a Miller shot that Besser tipped in on the power play. I think that was, uh, and then it was uh, Lamico who did score, even though that line right. got worked in in the first yes. two periods. Um, and it was uh, Tyler Mott playing it out front to Lamico, and uh, the Canucks won it three to one. Yeah, you're right. And perspective is everything. They come home, come home winners of two straight, as opposed to losers of four or five. So that made a big difference for sure. Yeah, and uh, this was, you know, my, my there was once um, stint in the second period where the Canucks had the puck in the offensive zone for like six straight minutes. Do you remember that part? <laughs> where yes. They were just. They were just in the zone, uh, like Patterson hit the bar, uh, yeah. and then they 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 came off the ace for a minute, and they put that line right back on because that line was playing so so well. Uh, they get the win, they sort of salvage the trip, and then we get the news. Uh, the Canucks take a two day break. They have the Wednesday Thursday off. And I think it was Thursday that it came out that uh, Demko tested positive, and Halak was still gone. Yeah. So the Canucks were down to their third string goaltender in Spencer Martin uh, as yeah. they came home the first game in front of a home crowd in a long time. Yeah. And it's Spencer Martin in net, which can't be good, except he was good. He was great. He was <laughs> great. And you know, this is crazy Parker, because not only were we missing Demko, we were missing Miller. So you, you take out on one fell swoop, our, our best goalie or basically our two best players this season in Demko and Miller, this game was good. Um, I got to go to this game, was excited to be there for the first time in over a month, like many, uh, many other fans. Uh, you might have seen I, I got uh, some Sportsnet time. I got two seconds of me scratching my bald head. So that, that was a lot of fun. Um, but more importantly, Spencer Martin was good. And I did not know, it wasn't until someone told me later, I didn't know he was six foot three. Maybe I'm so used to seeing Demko so big, but I didn't yeah. know Martin was six foot three. He didn't look six foot three. I don't know if he looked like that on TV, but in person, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that is fair. And again, this is another game where the Canucks were the better team, I think, yeah. and they just couldn't score. Yeah. Uh, they go, they go up against Florida. They, they score one. Uh, they score in the first. Yeah, they score in the first on a power play, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Alex Chase on elite goal scorer. Um, <laughs> and the Canucks had a had a good first. I remember they, you know, they played pretty well. Um, the problem is, you know, this they get nothing in the second they can't score they go to the third and they're shorthanded mm-hmm. and once again the penalty kill caves them in they have allowed at this point goals in seven straight games or whatever it was uh, on the penalty kill maybe six at this point uh penalty kill goes one for two on the night uh reinhardt scores sort of a fluky goal this one's unlucky right high yeah. it's actually a really good play to break up a pass and it ends up right on the stick of reinhardt and he scores um 
and, and Spencer Martin was was phenomenal. Uh, he saved uh, 33 of 34 shots, was the first star. Uh, he just got beaten in the shootout by Alex Barkov doing a one-handed backhand flick shot, which is so hard to do. Yeah. So much wrist strength to do that. Um, I, I don't blame him for not expecting uh, that shot. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you're the you're the hockey player among the two of us, and I was gonna ask you about this because from where I'm sitting in my in the stands, it looks like it almost was like a broken play. It, I didn't I didn't appreciate the skill until I watched it on replay. You're right, the strength it took, and and even Martin, who is a big goalie, it's not like he's shrinking in his net. He actually came out to play him, and uh, yeah, it was just and it, I think Martin even admitted after the game that it was a move he wasn't expecting, and and it yeah. beat him kind of thing. But what a yeah, what a it was a good move. Yeah. And it was just, it was a good game. I, again, the Canucks yeah. were, they, they hung with Florida again for the second time in 10 days. Uh, they, they hung with the best team in hockey uh, and uh, they stole a point. You know, yep. if, if you can get a point against Florida, you're pretty happy. They should have gotten one the previous week, yep. um, but they get out of it with a point and that takes them to last night yes. in St. Louis, a game where, uh, well, Spencer Martin test positive for COVID uh, and Archer Seelovs, I think also did as well. So the Canucks were down to basically their fifth string goaltender, <laughs> maybe fourth if you have them higher than Seelovs, but yep. reasonably his their fifth uh, and they're, they don't have a six string goaltender. So they had a guy from UBC uh, fill in as the backup. Uh, and this mm -hmm. one was just doomed from the start, right? They're without three of their top six still. Uh, yep. They they no longer have Demko or Halak or Martin or Silovs. <laughs> they only have Di Pietro, um, and uh, Di Pietro didn't play great. Yeah, he was okay. He, you know, one thing, and I, I really noticed is we're kind of spoiled with how efficient Demko is with his movement in the crease. Di Pietro is so very active. <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting it. Dem and Demko's a lot bigger, so he doesn't have to move as much. I get all that. Uh, but Demko is just so efficient with his movement, and I think you see not only his size, but the way he's been working with Ian Clark. DPH is a fighter. Let let's give him that for sure. But he's he's whatever. He's probably listed as six feet maybe, and he's so small. And he's, yeah, he's scrambling. He's active. He has to slide, whereas Demko can just kind of step. It, it's all these things. And... I thought the first goal wasn't his fault. His deflection goes over him. The second one, maybe great deflection. That first yeah. goal was a fantastic yeah. goal. It was. By yeah. Second goal, maybe could have read it a tiny bit better. And the third goal, I think he should have had, even though it went through some a screen, but you got to find a way to make those, make those saves. And the Canucks, you, you can't blame their effort. You can't, uh, some of their offensive shots weren't that dangerous, but still they all shot them 39, 17. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. They just didn't get the run. Or DP didn't get the run support. Right. Yeah. We can say, you know, okay, let's say Demko's in net and they lose two one. Okay. Yeah. What, what difference does that make? Right. Uh, the team has to put pucks in the back of the net. They were unable to do that to, uh, last night. Um, you look at expected goals and it was like three and a half to 1.3 or something. It was the Canucks dominated uh, the game uh, and mm -hmm. they just couldn't score. Uh, Huso was fantastic. Yeah. Um, just very, very solid in net for St. Louis. He might be better than Jordan Bennington at this point. Um, He's more likable, that's for sure. He is a lot more likable. Uh, <laughs> I think if Bennington was in net, the Canucks probably had a much better chance of winning. Uh, and I don't think that's that hot of a take because the Canucks have had Bennington's number a bit uh, in the past. But um, some of the some of the pluses from this game, Brock Besser had six shots. I think they were all in the first period, if I'm not mistaken, because <laughs> I think they mentioned that he had six shots in the first period. Wow. And he finished the game with that, but he had like 11 attempts or something along those lines. Okay. Uh, I think my biggest one though was Quinn Hughes. He yeah. is so good. Yeah. Uh, and he just continues to, he's just like a pressure valve back there, right? Anytime yeah. anything gets a little bit dangerous, the puck yeah. goes to him and he just creates separation, makes a great breakup pass and the Canucks are moving down the ice. Um, he is so, so valuable. Um, you know, another five shots on goal last night. Mm -hmm. Um, he is impressing me every single game. I agree that the standouts were indeed Martin, were Besser, were Hughes. How about two guys that didn't play well? Dickinson, uh, he plays well defensively, but offense, I think I might even have better hands than Dickinson. He had a couple uh, clear clear chances. Yeah. And, and Petey, when his line mates, when Besser has six shots in goal, I think Hoglander had five shots in goal, and then you see Petey with zero 
shots yeah. on goal, and that includes a five on three. That's yeah. not right. Pedersen was fighting the puck last night. Um, yeah. And again, he can do that. I'll give him that. Like he he's had a couple of good games. He, he yeah. had an off one. Let's hope he goes back to the good ones. Uh, yeah. I honestly thought the play of him, like I thought his play was fine. Just he was fighting yeah. the puck a bit. Um, when it comes to Jason Dickinson, that first breakaway was fine. He tried to go high blocker. He didn't yeah. get it high enough. Whatever. That happens. You're not going to score every time. The second one, I think I tweeted, I can't believe we just witnessed an NHL player do that on a breakaway. What did he do? <laughs> because he he went and he sort of fought off a check and then he was he tried to go. Is he left-handed? He was trying to go forehand. Uh yeah, okay. he's trying to go forehand to the left side, and he never released the puck. He didn't he didn't really shoot it until he was about six inches past the post, and he sort of just slid it into the side of the net and then tried to pick the puck back up. So he like just, in- he didn't get a shot off. Oh, so it's like an NHL when your hand slips off the controller kind of thing. Yeah, the battery, like the batteries go dead. Like I was on a breakaway, just like kind of slide in and, and nothing happens. Uh, that was bizarre to me. Uh, again, that's not his job. Good on him for getting the two breakaways. But, you know, it's a yeah. whole different game if he capitalizes on one of those. <sighs> I, I, we don't have to get too much into it right now. But uh, that 2.65, some people are saying he doesn't seem to be worth it right now. Yeah, I think if if a trade scenario were to come up around the deadline uh, and you can get anything for him, I think you might consider it just because the value of the contract. Again, it's a it's a salary cap league where um, it's really which team is most money efficient is the best team in the NHL, right? It's not about the best players, the best value for money. Um, And we see that with Edmonton where you have two of the best players and the rest of your cap is wasted on guys like Duncan Keith, who makes way too much money uh, and goalies that can't make saves. Yes. And they lose games uh, because yep. of it. Um, yep. Yeah, it was uh, a tough week, but they have some big games coming up this week. Now, I think Demko's, like, in theory, could be back tomorrow. Yes. De- um, well, Demko and Miller, because they quarantined in Canada. Right. So we're at the point where um, if they are negative tomorrow mm-hmm. i believe they are good to play so that's correct hopefully they've cleared it out of their system and they're good to go otherwise um i guess it's di pietro again right yeah yeah there's yeah. no one else there's no one else so yeah um yeah so hopefully they come back that would be a big boon for the team especially with how important these games are because tomorrow they take on a team that they are fighting tooth and nail for a playoff spot against and that is the Edmonton Oilers. Wow. Wow. And uh, man, all three, I know we're going to go one by one, but all three of these games, three Canadian teams. Yeah. Teams that were battling. So the Oilers, Matt, Evander Kane's not playing for them yet, is he? I don't think so. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, but the Canucks are even in points with the Oilers yeah. as of yeah. today. Uh, I don't think they're playing today, are they? Um, no, they did not. No, play today. They do not play today. Uh, so the Canucks, even in points, of the orders, both teams have 40 points or is a four games in hand, but they haven't been winning them really. Yeah. Um, so some real potential here um, to hopefully move up. And I was looking at this game as, you know, we look at those last two games, the Canucks couldn't score goals. Prime opportunity here. Yeah. You're going up against a team that's having goaltending issues uh, that is getting into some slug fests uh, in their games, right? We look at their last few games that uh, eight goals in their game against the flames. They, they won five, three, uh, the six, nothing lost to the Panthers. Panthers score six goals. They lost six, four to the senators. So their last three games have had 10, 16, 24 goals total in those last three games. So, so we can pump them is what you're saying. Take the over is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, I, even if, you know, even if they don't win this game, I think this is a big opportunity to get the goal scoring flowing, right? The Canucks should score three or four goals tomorrow night. I'm thinking again, they're going up against some high flying offense, right? McDavid and dry can score four goals themselves if they feel like it on a given night. So um, I think it should be an exciting one. Now, knowing I've said this is going to be a one, nothing shutout. Yeah. Thanks um, a lot because we're cursed, Um, (laughs) but uh, definitely maybe a good game to, like I said, sort of get the, get the blood flowing a little bit. Yeah, and just before comment on that, I want to recognize in the chat Fangirl Gaming with the $3.99 
super sticker. Thank you very much it's, for that support. It's just says super sticker when I highlight the comment. <laughs> but yeah, that could have been your comment. Super sticker like that. There we uh, go. High more plays like a super sticker. So uh, the other thing about Edmonton too is, yeah, they haven't been playing well. They end up being Calgary on Saturday night and everyone's, uh, was it last, yeah, last night? Was it last night or Friday night? Uh, that was yesterday, right? Or well, Sunday night. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't I, even know where you uh, It was Saturday. Okay. And, um, but apparently, I didn't watch it, but apparently Calgary dominated that game, but uh, somehow Miko Koskinen played a really good game and everyone was happy for him. Well, that's good. Good <laughs> Koskinen. He's not a great goalie. He's no. overpaid and he will not be there next year. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's win. Game, let's, let's win, win that game. And then they face off against the Jets. Now you might say, well, how are the, the Jets are in a different division? How are they yeah. a, a competitor? Well, yeah. that's because the top three teams make the playoffs from each division. And there's two wildcard spots between the two. So if you have the Avalanche, the Blues and the Predators, let's say, or the Wild, take your pick in the Central and probably the Wild taking wildcard spot number one. Yeah. Well, then you have the Stars, the Jets, and then whoever out of the Pacific, because it's an absolute disaster down here, um, fighting for that second spot. So the Jets have 38 games played, 41 points. The Canucks have 40 points in 41 games. So uh, Jets are a little bit ahead of them, uh, yeah. but a win over them could potentially leapfrog. It depends on how they do this week, obviously, but um, the, they're going to have to get past the Jets if they want to, uh, if they want to compete for a playoff spot. That is an excellent point because, and we've talked about this before, Parker. Because the Central is so strong, you can basically count on the first wild card spot going to Central team. Because Minnesota's in that first wild card spot, only two points behind third place Nashville, but they have five games in hand. So we know that the first wild card spots can go to a Central team. So if you're the Canucks, you either got to get to third place Pacific to be sure, or beat out Calgary, Dallas, San Jose, Winnipeg, Edmonton for that a other wild card spot. Yeah, and two of those teams, you're right, are from the Central, Winnipeg and Dallas. So not only do you have to worry about your Pacific Division rivals, but two teams from the Central as well. So they're because they're fighting six teams, not four, to get in the playoffs. Yeah, for one spot, in theory. Right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, some good news for the Canucks. They have not lost to the Jets this season yet. They wow. beat the Jets 3-2 in preseason. Mm -hmm. So that's a good start. They beat the Jets 3-2 on November 19th at home. Here. Yeah. Uh, and then they beat the Jets 4-3 in a shootout on December 10th, also at home. So they haven't played in Winnipeg yet. Right. It is a notoriously hard rink for the Canucks to play in. We've seen in the past. Um, they have, you know, Connor Hellebuck is always fantastic, which is always very stressful. Um, but it is a winnable game against a team that's a pretty similar caliber that if the Canucks can pull it out, again, things are looking pretty, a little bit better at least. Love, yep, exactly. Very. It's funny how us, Edmonton, Winnipeg, all basically in the same spot in the standings. Want to recognize FJS Zach, another super sticker. Zach, want to make sure your parents are okay with this. I know you're uh, one of our younger viewers, so thank you. But we appreciate your support as always. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. Um, yeah. Canucks haven't played the Flames this year. Can you believe that? What? They played them twice in preseason. Yeah. Uh, they traded games. Canucks won 4-2. Flames won 4-1. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have not played yet, at least according to my control F search on, <laughs> on the Canucks page. No, trust your uh, control F. That means we got them four times in the they, next four months. I they guess. do. Yeah. The Canucks yeah. play them, uh, this Saturday. Uh, then they play them in a month and they play them in the middle of March and then at the end of April. Wow. Um, so yeah, they, uh, they have the flames four times. Those are going to be big games, yeah. really big our games. Our friends, Marky and Tanev. Yes. They're guys as they like to tweet on Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, three big games for the Canucks and I didn't have it highlighted because I am, uh, I didn't hit the right, hit the right button. Uh, but okay. yeah, three big games, for the Canucks. And again, if they go three and which is a tall order, but in theory, they'll have Demko back. And you said Miller back or Horvat back. Who's coming Miller. back? Miller, Miller okay. and Demko went in the same time. Yeah. See, there's, it's so, it's way too complicated for me. I, know I, just, I just look at the, I look at the line rushes morning of and see who's playing. Um, <laughs> So yeah, if they can pull out, like, let's say three wins here, I think yeah. the athletic has them at about 17% chance to make the playoffs right now. After these last couple of games, they dropped from yeah. 23. Um, mm -hmm. That would be a huge boon, right? Then we're probably around the 30 mark. So mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. some big, big games. And that takes us to Monday. Monday right. is a special day because the Canucks are on the road in Chicago 
for a very early game, 4.30 start, so that's 6.30 Central Time. I don't know why it's early there, 30 minutes early. Yeah. Um, but a uh, a 4.30 p.m. puck drop in Chicago, a team that is having it tough. They are 15, 20, and 7. They have 37 points in 42 games, which is only three fewer points than the Canucks do. <laughs> so I guess they don't have it that tough. But you look at their goal differential, they're a minus 38. Um, which is as bad as Seattle at this point. Uh, I think they've yeah. been bailed out a little bit by flurry. Um, yeah. So a couple of tough goalies, the Canucks are facing this coming week though. Right. And we've been talking about their scoring trolls, but they get Hellebuck. They probably get Markstrom and they probably get flurry yeah. um, in three of these four games. At least the Oilers are the Oilers. Yeah. We get them. Oh, by the way, um, we got another donation. Lucas That's Gates crazy. with a five, yeah, $5 donation. So thank you, Lucas, for your support. As you know, Parker got a chance to go to the game with Lucas yesterday. He had a lot of fun. Uh, Lucas is a smart guy, but I think we knew that already. So thank you, Lucas, for the, the support. Good point about the goaltending and good point about this COVID. It's so crazy. Isn't it funny how Horvat and Garland went and Halak went into protocol before Demko and Miller, but because Demko and Miller were in Canada, they actually come back faster. It's it's nuts. Yeah, and it's, it, it's, it's almost unfortunate the Canucks aren't still on the road in the States because they're going to come <laughs> back and play. Uh, yes. But it's just the 10 days once you cross, it's it's a pain. It's it confusing. Uh, one last note on this game. Monday is a fun day because, as you know, Monday is Canucks after dark, yeah. which is normally at 10 p.m. But this game is early, which means we're going to do the show a little bit earlier. So the plan for Monday, Canucks game, 430, probably ends around 7, 7, 10, around there. Um, I'll do my post-game show that I normally do. And then at eight o'clock, we're coming here two hours early. We're going central time as if we were in Chicago. That's true. Um, so it's an it's an early show on Monday. So you can have all Canucks for, I guess, five hours or four and a half hours or whatever it ends up being. Uh, so 8 p.m. next Monday, set your alarm, I guess, and uh, and come hang out with us uh, with a little sort of post game. And we'll recap these last four games that we just sort of discussed now. And uh, and maybe we should have some GM news by then, I think, because Jim yes. Rutherford said they might be looking this week. So definitely a big one uh, to keep your eye on. Yes. And 8 p.m. We recognize it might not be ideal for some of you who are used to coming at 10, but it might actually be more ideal for others that might want to join from the east or whatever or a different time zone. We won't divulge why. It's a good reason. But we won't divulge why we are going early until that day if we feel like it, but maybe we'll we'll let you guys speculate for a week, but uh, everything's good. It's always that I have a hockey game. It's, okay, it's the fine, same thing fine. every time. I have, a, I have a late hockey game on Monday. It's it's all about me. Well, <laughs> well thanks for wrecking the, the suspense, but yes, yes <laughs> it's fine. We're, we're happy to do it. No, it's not a three-hour show, Coach Rob, because Parker's got to get to his game hey, and score some goals. I'll leave you here if you want to just go. For I, I'd, I'd break it, hours. man. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, boy. My chair just broke. Oh, speaking of breaking. It just fell a foot. Um, yeah, so we'll do an early show on Monday. Just basically a full, hopefully they win that night. So it's a fun just uh, spread of Canucks coverage. Yeah. And um, one last thing I want to mention while we're still sort of talking about those last couple of games that happened. Yeah. Um, I was curious last night, so I went onto the old NHL.com stats page, mm. went by teams, uh, and then I clicked on report and I said, let's see some things about shots. And I said, get stats. And then I sorted by, and I'm going to do it as we speak here. Uh, if it lets me, I'm going to sort by shooting percentage. Cause I'm curious. The Canucks don't seem to get much shooting luck. Oh, they have the worst shooting percentage in the NHL. Um, that I feel like that hasn't been brought up very much. Um, but the Vancouver Canucks are shooting after last night at a 7.4% clip. So opposing goalies are have a nine to six save percentage against the Canucks so far this season. They have only scored 100 goals in 41 games. Did you tweet that or talk about it in your post game? Cause I, I thought I did I tweet it. You did tweet it. Okay. That's, that's what makes sense then. Wow. And you, you look at last night as a good example, actually. 39 shots, worked very hard. But I can't really picture, except for Dickinson mucking up two breakaways, I can't really picture really point black chances. Yeah, maybe a couple good looks, one-timers by Besser on the five-on-three. But really, I can't think of re, uh, outstanding high-danger chances last night. Yeah, no, it's yeah. and they're just not converting. You know, part of that yeah. is maybe low percentage chances and, and things of that nature. But... You know, worst in the league is something something to look at here, right? Um, 
I what also in my tweet, what I said is I looked at the league median. So I looked at the middle of the road, which is Ottawa and Dallas are 16th and 17th in that regard. Uh, mm. They're at 9.4%. So if you take the amount of shots that the Canucks have taken and you say, hey, put a 9.4% on that, the Canucks would have scored 26 more goals in those 41 games this year. Um, that's probably a big difference. Wow. Yes. I remember you tweeting this and I just realized I turned into a robot again. I got to fix the camera one day. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> that that's what's that 26 goals. You could count. Maybe that's at least five or six wins, right? Probably. That's probably, that's probably eight points, 10 points left on the table. Um, just from that. So if that is something that regresses, which hopefully it does, uh, then mm-hmm. we might be, you know, might score a few more goals later on in the season, but, uh, it is a bit troubling. Wow. Wow. No, that's a, and and I, I guess it means that everyone is shooting at a clip that's below their average or league average or anyone's average. Really. If you're only scoring mm-hmm. at seven and a half percent, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. What's I the league? Want to bring that up. Yeah. What's uh, the league mean you said? Uh, league median is 9.4. So oh, a full man. two points higher. Um, with the Canucks at 7.4. If you, if, if you do that, actual percentage is like 22%. I'm guessing okay. 25% maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's not great. I guess it would be 26% if it went from 100 to 126. Math. Yeah. Um, let's talk the about... AGM. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get me in there. <laughs> uh, speaking of management, um, we have heard that the GM talks are heating up a little bit. Jim Rutherford has completed all of his interviews with all mm. of the candidates. And uh, they said that their decision is likely going to be made this week. Wow. So yeah, they finished the second interviews last week. I keep hearing Parker. I don't know about you. I keep hearing there's still four or five um, candidates finalists for the shortlist. Yeah, I oh, think it cool. was. I think it was four or five. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull up Rick Dollywall's tweets here. He. I think he had a phone call uh, with Rutherford this morning, uh, and he said uh, at nine a.m. this morning. He said just talk with Jim Rutherford about the GM search. Uh, quote, we are doing the proper process. The interviews are done and it is decision time hoping this week. Wow. Uh, Okay. That is pretty big there. And that kind of fits the time frame, right? Parker? Because remember they were always saying by the end of January and they were even saying this at the start of January. And now that we're in the last week of January, I guess it makes sense. I guess that does make sense. The math has the plan. Yeah. This was the plan all along. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we have any real updates on names, you know, no, uh, I don't think we really heard too much um, this week. I didn't see any names floating around. I think Alvin might still be sort of the the leading candidate. Is that so. sort of your thought? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, so that's it for that topic. Uh, last time I want to hit on uh, a little bit of JT Miller rumors heating up. Now, <laughs> I'll start off with saying again, because I have Rick Dollywell's tweets open here. Uh, his talk with Rutherford this morning, quote, uh, he's our best forward. That's a good uh a good way to bump his value maybe uh, mm-hmm. i really like him teams will call but when we have more voices we can make those decisions so in theory once there's a gm in place then they can discuss uh the jt miller topic now you had said you had saw so uh, you saw something from frank saravalli earlier yes i heard him on the radio actually i was listening to him driving home and he says it's not just the rangers it's actually four teams and it's the rangers it's boston it is Calgary and it is, oh dang. Sorry, man. Poor research. I got three of the four. I'll look Someone it up. I'll figure it out. I'll look it up. You keep talking. All right. Yeah. So we've discussed sort of the idea of trading JT Miller. Uh, and I saw, I saw a quote today that said um, it would be more than a first and a top prospect if JT yes. Miller were on the block, which does kind of make sense. Like I said, he should be one of the most coveted names in the league right now, right? We're talking about a point per game, uh, number one center, um, potentially. And imagine him as a two C on a contending team. That's a pretty good two C to have, um, who can play power play, who can kill penalties. If you need to who can win faceoffs, he is a real all around player. Um, mm. and you know, we've talked about uh, this quite a bit last week about how at his age, which I'm not saying he's old, but he's going to be getting to that decline soon. Uh, maybe when the Canucks are outside of that window, uh, and with all these new faces and management, you know, people who are maybe less attached to JT Miller, right. They are not the ones that made the trade for JT Miller a couple of years ago. Um, they are sort of have a fresh perspective on it. 
And if you can go out and you can get maybe a reasonably high draft pick or even, you know, I guess it would probably be a later draft pick, but let's say you get maybe something like the 26th overall pick, maybe the 32nd, if they go on and win the cup um, mm -hmm. and a top prospect and maybe a couple of complimentary pieces. And one thing, and I, I'm going to spoil it. I, I had a, I have a video planned maybe um, about Ooh. maybe some, maybe one interesting comparison. Um, and that's Matt Duchesne. Remember the Matt Duchesne trade? Uh, yep. like five years ago when he got traded to Ottawa and Colorado got so much for him. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll see mm -hmm. if I can pull up the exact details. Sure. Um, While you're doing here. that, it is the Minnesota wild. Uh, some people put it in the chat and I did look it up as well. So it's the Rangers, it's Boston, it's Calgary and the Minnesota wild as potential suitors for JT Miller. Gotcha. Okay. So who did, who did they get? Um, sorry, all these, these are just articles that don't really detail it very well. <laughs> well, um, as you look that up too, Frank Cervelli was actually the one who said that the return for Miller would be much more than uh, a pick, a first rounder and a prospect. So whether it's one or two complimentary pieces or something that comparable to what you're going to share about the Duchesne, it'll be very interesting. Yeah. So they got for, for Matt Duchesne, right. Um, they Colorado got, Andrew Hammond, who who played like two games for them, uh, Shane Bowers. Uh, they got a first round pick, which they turned to Bone Byram. They got a third okay. round pick. Don't remember who they picked there. Uh, they got a second round pick, who I think was a good one. Again, I this doesn't have the name because uh, this is just uh, a dumb video. Um, Sam Gerard and wow. uh, Vladislav Kamenev, who's in Russia, but they still have his rights. So they got for Matt Duchesne. We're talking a high first round pick, which they turned into Byram. Although that, that mm -hmm. wasn't going to be a high first round pick, but Ottawa, I think played really bad the next year. Yes. Um, and then they turned and Sam Gerard, who's a fantastic defenseman uh, and a couple other pieces, right? If we're talking about that sort of return um, for JT Miller, I think you're getting to the point where you might just want to pull that trigger. That is crazy. So two top four defensemen, uh, eventually, a couple of roster players and a couple of lottery tickets in the, in the draft. Wow. So that's at least five or six assets for, for one player. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes down to scouting, right? Yeah. Um, guys like Sam Gerard as an option, right? Sam Gerard, who they took from Nashville in that trade. Cause there was a, sort of the three-way trade. Um, Sam Gerard wasn't necessarily going to be a star, um, but they, I guess they had good pro scouting. They thought, Oh, this guy's going to be good. Let's get him as a piece in this. And he turned into a good piece. So if they can pick up prospects that maybe other teams see as lower value than they do, um, mm. you know, that's how you really start to win some of these trades. Wow. And, and we've talked about before, uh, what a deal you're getting on JT Miller, not just next year, uh, sorry, not just th this year, but next year. So he's not even a rental. He's a player that you can actually count he's on a two year for. rental. Yeah, that is yeah. That's that's double the value. That's crazy. Yes. By the way, just incredible on $5 donation. Thank you. OV with 29 goals on 197 shots, 15% quieter 30 on 130, 32. Wow. So these two guys, 30% each. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, 15 uh, and 30. He's at 15 and Kreider's yeah, at 32. So yeah, yeah, he's saying the importance of, you know, even just scoring uh, on your shots. Yeah. Chris Kreider leads the NHL in goals uh, right now, who, which I didn't know until earlier today, uh, yeah. ahead of Ovechkin, ahead of Matthews. Uh, I think Ovechkin probably makes up that ground. Um, but hey, that is a, a pretty sweet uh, season for Chris Kreider so it far. Is. He's kind of, I know Sidney Crosby doesn't like him. They've, they've battled a lot in the past for <laughs> sure. All right. Is this the time to take some questions? Sure. All Let's right. do it. Folks, this is your chance to throw some questions into the chat. We'll take a couple uh, here. We'll start with. Uh, Edmund, who is saying, is it fair to say if we trade Miller that we want a defenseman as a prospect? Hmm. Our cupboards are very, well, their cupboards are bare everywhere, but on D yeah. you're looking at maybe Jet Wu as a third pairing guy in a couple of years. And who else really a Rathbone, I guess, but that's it. Yeah. The Canucks need players. <laughs> they need <laughs> prospects. And again, whether that is, uh, a D-man, which the Canucks do need D-men. Um, you know, maybe I'm I'm more of the mind of I don't really care what position the prospect is if you can get a really high value prospect, and yeah. maybe you maybe you get like a a decent defenseman thrown into the deal as well. 
um, which might be a high asking price. But again, we'll see. I think Miller has a, an insane amount of value. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, they, you can't grow with D-men. The thing is D-men are, are very valuable though. Uh, they're, yes. they're tough to get. They are indeed. So yeah, if you, in a perfect world and you are trading Miller, if you decide to do so, yeah, I, I think you want, um, a, a good young defenseman back, um, for sure. At, at least as, as part of the PCS coming back for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaskran asks, uh, I already asked you this clay, but I want to ask Parker. Do you think the Pacific division is weaker or more competitive? They are weaker. Um, I mean, you look at like the Atlantic division, right? Uh, where you have Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, right? Four genuine cup contenders. Maybe Boston's falling off a little bit there, but they're still very good. Um, the Metro, you've got the Rangers, you've got the Penguins, you've got the Hurricanes who are fantastic. The Capitals who are fantastic. The thing is these, these divisions are very top heavy right mm-hmm. and you can look at each of those divisions and like in the east it's already basically decided who's making the playoffs if you just look at the standings and the west the central's quite similar right you have four teams and then a huge drop off and i mean colorado has a drop off after them too um mm-hmm. the pacific i think is just a bunch of meh teams like i yeah. genuinely think it's just a bunch maybe save for vegas i think it's literally just a bunch of six to 10th place in a conference caliber teams. And they just happen to all be in the Pacific right now. And they're all just sort of, it's sort of a big wet noodle fight where there there's nothing really, no one's really winning games. No one's taking over. No one's going on a run to every team is giving every other team the opportunity to win. Like if you look at the last 10 games for every single team in the Pacific division, they are all either four or five. And then the Oilers are at three. Um, So every team is just, flatlining right in the middle of the pack and eventually one team's going to go on a run and they'll make the playoffs and that's what we're just hoping the Canucks will get to yeah and and people who are uh who've been fans for a long time or at least my age they'll know that back in the day when the this league was only 21 teams you would actually play your division rivals eight times a season not four times a season yeah um, so you can't even say this year that the Pacific division teams are are beating up on each other. Cause no, it's a pretty balanced schedule where you're playing against central division three times. And then, and then the, all the teams in the East twice. So it's not like they're all middling because they're, they're taking wins and loss from each other. No, they're losing a lot of games against other teams. They're winning a few too, but that's why, yeah, you're exactly right. There's, there's not even Vegas. You put Vegas in the other division. What place would they be in? Like fourth already? Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. In the central, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I agree. agree. We're weak. Um, Edmund asks, would you be upset if they don't trade JT Miller? Hmm. I wouldn't be. I I don't think the Canucks are on the clock here. They have next year if they need it. The thing is, if you want the Canucks to be like, if you say the Canucks window is let's say three, two to three years from now, um, if you don't get a prospect, if you don't get a draft pick for JT Miller until next year's draft, mm-hmm. then that draft pick is now not a part of those plans, right? It's further yeah. down the line. And and more likely, the, if you were to acquire a top prospect, they're one year further down the line than someone you acquire this year. Um, and the fact is, I think JT Miller's value is really high because he has, it's basically two rentals for the price of one, like I said. Right. Uh, right. You don't, you can, they can trade a first round pick this year and they can trade theirs next year to get someone different, right? You're getting, you're getting double the value and you might have to pay more for it, which is why I think the Canucks can get a lot of value uh, for a guy like JT Miller. Cause he's so good. Um, the other thing is though, if you want to, if you don't get the offers you think that you deserve, you don't have to trade them. The Canucks yeah. don't lose his rights till next year. They can wait and try mm-hmm. to do this again next season and then maybe at maybe next season the Canucks are in the playoff hunt and they say, well, maybe we just want to keep JT Miller, right. uh, and which can be which can kind of suck because then you get nothing for him. But maybe the team is a lot better than they are this year, and it gives them the opportunity uh, to at least have that option. And I think that's the key as Rutherford and his team analyze this team and try and figure out where they're at. Yeah, you're right. They might say we actually are going to be good enough with a bit of tweaks to really compete next year. They could be thinking that. So then why do you trade JT Miller now, move that window, push, kick the can even further down the road when this Rutherford and their crew might actually think this team is ready to compete now or next season. So that's why you keep them. And you're right, Parker, you figured out next season, his trade value might even go up. 
you might be down in the dump standings wise, and then you're going to get even more next year than this year. So it's so early to say to answer Edmund's question though. No, I would not be upset if they don't move him because I think there may, if they don't, there's probably because there's a bigger plan in play. To sort of counter that point though, if they traded JT Miller and got a first and a top prospect and like maybe something else, yep. you could just go trade that again next year if, uh, you really, yeah. if you wanted a rental, right? That's true. That's true. So you don't lose the asset. You're just swapping the assets. And that's, right. you know, it's asset management. Now, again, I have more faith in the current people that are running the show. So I'm a little less concerned. Right. Uh, Miller, but if we swapped assets, he wouldn't depreciate as much what we get back wouldn't depreciate as much as under the new regime i would agree with you there for sure right uh fan growth a fun question we'll touch on this one quickly would you rather do family feud or the amazing race <laughs> this is a no-brainer for, for me it's, a, it's for me it's family feud actually oh no because i think our our i would do better with my family on that show amazing race would be way more fun the traveling and the adventure but i actually think i'd have a better chance of winning on family feud because my family's a lot smarter and, and a lot more fun than I am. And the, I think the five of us would there, you need five people. There'd be amazing race. I'd be fighting with Gail. I'd be fighting unless you and I went <laughs> and then you could just boss me around. I'd say, sure. And then we, we would do really good. I think you and I would actually do good on amazing race. It's a no brainer family feud. It's one day and you only win like 20 grand amazing <laughs> race. You can win a million bucks. You get to you travel could. the world. Uh, that seems way more fun. I'm taking the amazing race all day. Okay, friends, uh, you guys are so loyal to us. Drop in the chat. Don't tell us who's going to be better at Amazing Race. Tell us if you think Parker and Clay would be a good team on Amazing Race. Would we win the whole thing, or would we get Probably donked not. in the first in the first we, leg? I don't think. I think we'd make it a few legs, but I don't think we'd win the whole team. Uh, the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> we'd be like at the airport trying to get on a flight. I'd be at the bar watching a Canucks game. <laughs> like, ah, it's fine. It's like the next flight. Love it. Love um, it. Um, let's see. Uh, any of these other ones you want to take here? Uh, I, I can't be the only one looking at questions. Okay. While I drink my mini seven up, that makes my actually we didn't enormous. do predictions. Let's go, Cody's uh, Clay and Parker. Any score predictions for each game this week? And whoever gets traded out, how confident are you guys in getting decent pieces back? Okay, so let's let's do the first one. We don't have to go scores, but of these four games: Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, Chicago. What are you saying? Three and one. Hmm. I think they lose to Winnipeg. But take the other three. Sure. Yeah. I wow. think I Winnipeg scares me. Hellebuck scares me. Um, I think I think they can score more goals on the other teams. Uh, so that's yeah. what I'm going with. As long as they stay healthy. Yeah. You know, they should be uh, just for the sake of argument. I'll go two, one and one. So very close to yours, basically, in essence, the same thing. And then the second part, he says, is can we compete while selling? Right. Uh, and are we confident in getting decent pieces back for who gets yeah. straight out? I am at this point. Again, yeah. we don't really have a track record to go off of with these new hires, but again, they seem smart. Uh, could they compete while selling? Um, again, I think you could sell and then just see if you make the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah. But I don't think they're competing even if they don't sell this year. I agree. I agree with you. Exactly. Yep. Awesome. Um, any other ones you want to grab here? Uh, let me look. Let me look. Let me uh, look. Justin's asking uh, that there might be a word out there they're not done hiring AGMs. Do most teams have one AGM or two? Yeah, I, that's I a good no question. Idea. I I don't know much about front office makeup. Well, uh, last year we did have two. We had Stan Smeal was an AGM, uh, a very quiet one. No, we had more because wasn't uh, Wise brought an AGM and or maybe that's it. Actually, now I think about it, but yeah, it's more than know. one. I'm I'm fine with more than one voice. I'm fine with more voices in the room. Uh, you can get too many, but you can also have not enough, which I think is sort of the the boat they were in before. Yeah. Um. So again, I, I think more smart people uh, can't hurt. So they have Clancy, right? Who was named last month. They have now Castonguay. They have um, Smeal is assistant president, right? Right. Yeah, I guess they do have two AGMs already. I forgot yeah. about Clancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Uh, yeah, I guess they could have three, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I Let's get know. everyone. Everyone's an sure. AGM. They already got scouts and analysts and all this stuff. You can have as many names as you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anything else here? I'm also watching tennis off to the side here. Exciting. Uh, Chapo is forced a fifth set against Rafael Nadal. Oh, good. Uh, hope you guys weren't recording that. Sorry if I spoiled anything. 
Yeah, nice uh, one. <laughs> um, so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get some Canadian wins here. Um, anything Jess else you want to take? Getting, Jess giving you some love. He says that you would carry the team in amazing ways. I can't actually. Um, I can't disagree though. I'll do Young my legs. best. I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, or do you want to wrap up there? I think we'll uh, we'll call that for the night. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said, 8 p.m. next Monday. Um, make sure you subscribe to both of us, Parker's Pucks, Canuck Clay. Uh, we do videos after the games, streams after the games. We, we do a bunch of stuff. Come follow both of us uh, and uh, stick around Monday, 8 p.m. Subscribe if you haven't already. If you missed any part of the show, uh, which I know some of you have, because again, that chart goes up throughout the throughout the show. You can <laughs> rewind back to the beginning uh, or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, whether it's Apple Podcast, Spotify, just search Canucks After Dark. It's all linked down below. Uh, Clay, any parting words for the night? I think we're going to hear even bigger news this week with the uh, announcement of a new GM. So uh, as we've talked about for the, a good half an hour at the start, these are exciting times for the Canucks off the ice. So let's see if they can get some players back, match that excitement on the ice, and have a little bit of a push heading into this now February, which was supposed to be a break, but won't be anymore. You never know. We're not out of it but we got to string some wins together. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys very much. We will see you uh, next time.